Jim Joyce. There we are. Next Wednesday, come and go. I jumped it. You jumped the gun. This is the first time I let you record it because yeah. uh, I'm in Florence visiting my older one and the Wi-Fi kind of sucks and I'm off of 4G. So let's see if it's going to actually, uh, yeah, it looks like I'm recording locally too. So let's see. How's your week? We missed our Monday. Awesome. You date. You were like in slow motion with the Wi-Fi was coming in. <laughs> You're moving in. <laughs> so yeah, so week is going well. The week is going well. I did a did a 5k run last night, you know, with nice. the, with the, uh, with little health beacon team. Oh, awesome. So I, I don't, I don't run that much. So that was kind of a nice little treat. Feel kind of energized and like healthy. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. You know what? I'm going to tell Marina that we need to up it. You know, we do three and a half K every morning, right? It's like day 270 or something yeah, like that. I don't know. She's keeping track. I'm such a nut despite not running regularly. I mean, I try to do other workouts, but like I, I don't run in, um, you know, and then I went off with the fast crew at the beginning and I was like, you know, suck and win. Always about a pace. Always about pacing yourself. Have you right? noticed, yeah, I have two gears in life, right? I, I know. Off, on or off. I got you. I got you. Um, I was going to say on that note, but I don't know on that which note, but I was going to let our guest in. He just entered in. Awesome. So um, I'm going to let Cal in. Let's see. Um, so... Cal is the CEO of Bright Insight, and let's see. I know uh, he texted us about the sounds nearby in the household or something, but yeah, yeah, there's a whole construction site out front. As long as you guys, you know, I can try to ignore it. As long as you guys aren't we, hearing it, we can hear. And sort of we got three entrepreneurs here, and that was going to be my comment: never give up, never surrender, just plow ahead. So yes. Here we are. We can't hear anything at all, and neither can our guests. So nice to meet okay. you, Cal. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you as well, James. Yeah. Yeah. And we, um, I think you and I crossed paths at one of those events, kind of in passing somewhere in the digital health arena. And I know, I think when I was still with my pharma hat on, you know, with your team, we've spoken a while back. But in any yeah. case, pleasure to have you. And for millions of viewers, listeners, take us on a journey of who is Cal Patel. <laughs> You can start in childhood, at birth. Yeah. Fast forward, however yeah, you want to play. According to the, <laughs> according to the uh, the interwebs, you're incredibly successful. So congratulations. <laughs> but uh, well, over to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, inviting me. It's a real pleasure and honor to connect with with you guys as well. So so thanks for that. Gosh, Eugene, you threw out a fun question. I mean, that, that might take up the whole 60 minutes we have, you know, like love to talk about myself. Uh, hey, FYI, we try to do it in like 35 to 45, but it is our show, so we yeah, can go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. That's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. It's your show. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, right, right. Except nobody actually listens to you. It's, <laughs> just in my case. But. We're listening, we're listening. Uh, look, hey, look, happy to sort of give you the, you know, the, 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 the short version and you guys, Double click me wherever wherever you know seems more more interesting. But the quick background on myself, uh, you know, born in India, immigrant kid. You know, grew up in Chicago, um, and you know, ended up um, really falling in love in, with uh, economics and chemistry because I had two awesome teachers in high school that did that. And so, I'm fortunate enough to end up in University of Chicago, studied econ and some chem, and was going to go straight to med school uh, and do research and, and sort of got in and got the opportunity to, because of the econ degree, to go do a little bit of consulting. So I ended up at Boston Consulting Group. And that really fundamentally changed what I thought I wanted to do with, 
with my you know professional career and and just sort of saw the opportunity for impact at scale uh, versus impact of one patient at a time. And, and that's mm-hmm. not meant to be judgmental at all. It's just for me personally, just sort of really resonated. And um, and so then when it came time to actually go to medical school or not, you know, again at that point, that sort of the choice of just sticking with the business route. Uh, but you know what? Actually, I, I just sort of had this feeling in my gut that I will be better at it and will get more satisfaction satisfaction out of it in the long run to go ahead and take that you know very unique opportunity to to go to medical school. So did an MD MBA and and you know five more years of BCG yeah. Boston Consulting Group in US and Europe uh, working across healthcare and that was just amazing learning curve and impact curve and, and then took that to industry it was at Novartis uh, in okay. different uh, sales and marketing uh, sort of oriented roles in the U.S. pharma business and then uh, and through that process fell in love with California because uh, I spent a year in Cali for Novartis and, and felt the deep desire to need to live out here in the sunshine instead of you know, the dreary <laughs> winters of Chicago that I'd spent 30 years plus doing um, and so I uh, was fortunate enough to end up at Amgen and, and did three very different things at Amgen, right? So it sort of felt like I had three careers even at Amgen. I was uh, head of corporate strategy. Um, then I was global marketing lead for one of their main drugs, Enbrel. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I founded and led what we called Amgen Digital Health. So one of the early really digitally focused groups within big pharma med tech uh, is about a decade ago, right? Before this whole chief digital officer yep. kind of concept even existed in our industry and, and all the digital COEs and stuff we have today. And we're really focused on how do we leverage technology and, and digital in particular to improve the real world performance of our drugs, right? So we we're just really thinking about our patients getting appropriately diagnosed. Can we help do that at scale and more effectively? Can we help match the right patient to the right therapy? Can we support patients and physicians once they're on therapy, right? Depending on the on the illness and the therapy, is it personalized drug dosing? Is it personalized adherence? Yeah. Symptom tracking, you know, mm-hmm. um, disease progression and so forth, right? So real world evidence. So, so you know, I sort of got into all that. And, and that just, again, another big sort of passion pivot, if you will. It's just like, you know, it was just so, to me anyway, it was so obvious to me that like, the the, the, sh- the what was holding back the impact of digital and technology was not the was not the technology it was it was how hard it is to implement that and scale it right. in healthcare yep. right uh, and so I was like well maybe I can help do that because notice in my background I've, I'm not an engineer I've never taken an engineering class in my life I can't do the most basic coding thing that like my five year old can do on Scratch Junior or whatever like. And yet, you know, <laughs> you, know, you mean you don't use no code in every day? No code, no, no nothing, code. nothing. So you know, you know, yet I'm helping you know build and lead a, a software company uh, because it's it's not to downplay the importance of the software and technology by any means, but but where I can help personally was how do you apply that successfully, right? How do you take this great technology that's being developed and successfully implement and, and drive impact through that? And and so that really became my passion about a decade ago, and. And so when then went down the entrepreneur route, you know, did a did um, uh, was a doctor in the band as chief commercial oh, yeah. officer. They were doing their Series B in the telemedicine space, um, and then that parlayed ultimately into uh, you know what's now what's now Bright Insight. Um, and so so that's sort of the you know sort of the the, the journey for oh, you guys. Man, awesome. that's so much to double click on. I think I hope I hope <laughs> we have an, enough of the hour. Um, but I'm I'm actually curious to go back all the way to kind of the consulting days, right? Like yeah. obviously you kind of zoom in and out with different clients. 
uh, you know, the crazy ass travel, uh, you know, the crazy hours, but then many times you don't see a lot of these, uh, to come to fruition, right? Like you, you present 110 slides or 10 slides and you kind of leave it with the operational side because it's up to that individual company or team to implement. So I'm, I'm curious kind of the lessons learned and how, and how long you did that, the consulting component of it. And what, what was the actual trigger to get into kind of the Novartis or the Amgens and within the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah happy, happy to do that. And look, a lot of like many things in life, you know, a lot of the, the ahas and the insights come afterwards. So look, uh, so I spent a total of seven years, two before grad school and five after, and it was tremendous. Some of the best people in my life. I mean, yeah. I'm still close friends. In fact, we have a Zoom reunion with like the, you know, the, not 10 of us that started together in 1997 out of college. Like I've been to everyone's weddings and vice versa. Like we're good friends. Again, I'll just chat it, you know, even though we're spread out all over the world. So some of the best people I've ever met in my life were at BCG and and formative years there, but also from a learning perspective, right? Like I really had no idea what I was doing. And so the, the, the the mentorship, you know, apprenticeship model there is, is amazing. Um, You know, you, you know, and I think, look, we drove, very meaningful and real insights for our customers, for our clients. Um, and look, in, on the other side, I've worked with all of them, right? I've worked yeah. with BCG, McKinsey, Bain, Deloitte, et cetera, et cetera right? So, right? So clearly I've made the choice to hire folks as well because they you know, absolutely bring value. But I think back to the experience, and I love your comment about the 110 versus 10 slides. You know, if I had to do it over again, I don't think any consulting deck should ever go beyond 10 slides because as a client, right. I've never paid attention. If you haven't yep. gotten me right. massively convinced by the 10th slide on what the right answer is, then you're not going to, right? Like, that right. point, you, we got to be talking about, okay, like, how do we, to your other point, make this real, right? Like, I right. know the yep. answer. Now I'm just thinking about how hard it is to implement the answer, right? So if you go back to my point around technology and healthcare, right, that's like sort of the equivalent of like, after 10 slides, you know, the technology works. Right. right. Now talking about how do I actually implement and drive real right. world impact, right? That's the actual- Operationalize it, touch the consumer customer. Right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so- so, was a, so in retrospect, that was the same thing. It's like, I don't know why I ever stayed up till, you know, two in the morning working on an appendix, you know, uh, or whatever it is. Because it's it's totally... I, I, was yeah. in a, I was in a presentation the other day and, you know, so I've been on in the wild as an entrepreneur for too many years now at this stage or, you know, and I was in a presentation I had to sit through for almost like politeness. Right. I had to sit through a long, long side deck and I, from a consultancy firm and it's incredibly professional and great people love yep. them all to death. And, but I was like, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so, so I didn't have any of this. I didn't have any of the skills of like pretending, like, how do I pretend I'm awake and listening? Cause I had such good skills when I was inside big pharma. I was so good at that. Like, well, I wasn't great at it, but I was pretending I was interested <laughs> in staying it's with just, it, but my skills are gone. Like, I can't, I'm like, yeah. I'm out of here. I, I, I can't yeah. do this. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. With that, with that, so part of the training also happens on that, right? Like in those first couple of years, <laughs> if, if we never got past the first 10 slides and none of the work I did ever got presented to, so I appreciate <laughs> if we never got to slide 48 because that was day, like, man, I did right. that analysis, you know? So what, but, what's uh, amazing, what's amazing though, I just wonder about your just jumping off on like on that. Yeah that I love, you know, people that have your kind of training, like when you were, you know, obviously when you're younger and you're stepping into it, like when I hire from these Accentures, you know, I haven't hired anyone from BCG, but I would in a heartbeat is that the, the quality of training, right? Like the quality of mentorship and training is just amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. and yeah. I feel like there's a whole generation of people that don't get that now because yeah. they kind of move through 
you know, the entrepreneurial world or something or a different kind of freelancer world? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is a bit different. I mean, look, we have folks in our company at Bright Insight that come from, you know, all the firms that we just mentioned or chief growth officers from, you know, the partner at Boston Consulting Group. Like, yeah, the talent and, tra- and the training of that talent, both their ability to recruit and then train that talent is, is you know, world class. Um, mm. But, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what is needed to be successful, right? It's not the only thing that's needed to be right. successful, right? And so to, to your point, Eugene, around the operational side, right, that, that, that is extremely hard. And at least in my experience, I would say harder to learn, harder to teach, harder to implement. Mm. Um, so, um, but, but, you know, and that's what you get in the real world in space, right? If you will, quote unquote, mm. uh, and in the so, entrepreneur world in particular. <laughs> so let, let's fast forward. Um, I'm going to maybe skip a little bit on the Novartis side, but um, yeah. the, the Amgen digital health, right? You kind of said, yeah. you know, one of the early days and, and it's funny, I just got an email actually the other day from another pharma, right? Like, well, we need to really define what digital means. And I'm like, well, it's, Two decades later, right? And I feel like <laughs> like everybody should know what digital means at this point, or right, know right. what it means to that particular team, etc. Take us back to that, you know, whatever decade ago or or something at Amgen, yeah. um, to the extent that you can and want to. But like, what was that experience driving, right? Because it's you know the brands want their own thing, the corporate versus you know versus different countries defining yeah. is it standalone so yeah. kind of a little bit of that story right it was fascinating yeah yeah, to me. yeah yeah happy to i'll try to sort of paint the picture right i don't think amgen was unique by any means it was probably typical across the industry but at that point you know digital was basically um you know one aspect was you know let's hey let's build an app that right. you know no one's gonna ever download and ever open and <laughs> we have no back end and we don't know what actually ever happens to it so so it was just sort of like a check the box marketing activity. And, and, um, and I want to just interrupt one second. There was one company that um, like kind of asked the count how many apps that uh, that pharma company has. And it was like 500, something crazy. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I just multiplied that times what an uh, average it would take to develop something. And I'm like, and yeah. the usage patterns are nothing, right? right? So yeah. think about yeah. that could have been like yeah. 10 startups right there, right? Like yeah, that, oh, totally. That are fo- yeah. focused, yeah. so. I love that build an app that no one ever downloads with no backend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like no data, no backend, no usage. It's like you know, like, but I got that on my resume now. So, uh, so you know, so yeah, so you had a lot of that. You had a lot of, um, you know, essentially digital was like buying ad spend right on on websites. Um, right. You you know, nobody was doing YouTube. Certainly, we right. you know we we weren't. Um, so it's really the the lens was frankly, mostly around marketing, right? So it was like, right. it was kind of like extending beyond TV, radio, and, you know, d- you know, going straight to the physician's office. And, and so that's kind of what the, the starting point, uh, you know, you know, l- landscape was at the time. And, and so the whole notion here was, look at all these underlying trends that are happening, right? So we were talking about things like mobile, right? To say like, guess our website, is not mobile friendly. Like you literally right. be like, you know, have right. to have to have to do this, right? Or you go to our website and you spend all this time trying to find something, right? So the example I gave, right, to Bob Bradway, who's still the CEO and great guy, and, and the leadership team was, I said, the US government does it better than we do. So when you go to Google and you say, I want, I'm going on a vacation, and you put right. mail hold, it actually takes you to a specific landing page where you can get in there, put your mail on hold. And right. leave the website in 30 seconds, right? 
if you went at that point and said on Embral, you want to find out about copay assistance or something, right? You're like literally navigating pages and pages and pages right. before you find out the question you have and to get it solved. Like this, this right. you, know, you know, we got to pride ourselves in doing it better than the government, right? And, and so but this, this was sort of the, you know, starting by, look, we had senior executives that were on flip phones at that point still, right? I mean, again, right. not unusual, right? But, but I think that's right. sort of the context in which we were, you know, we were starting. Um, now, the, the the advantage I had was I was not a techie, as I said, right? Like, so I was, I was when I got asked to explore the space, my first reaction was, did you call the wrong person? Because my assistant helps right. me at least twice a week with email, you know what I mean? Like, like but and I think, you know, the response was, hey, if, if, if I can figure it out, then anybody can figure it out. So I'm like, all right, I'll sort of, you know, sort of take that. But that was a backdrop against which we started, right? And I think, a bunch of lessons from that and a lot of, you know, progress and failures is, is all, you know, all, all um, you know, yeah. anything entrepreneurial is. Uh, uh, but, you know, one of the key things we learned, you got to, you got to make it real for people, right? That whole notion of, of, of they got to see it, right? You're just telling them just doesn't go. So like one of the pivotal things for us was we had talked about this whole notion of having Bluetooth and the delivery device to know if, when, where someone's taking right. your medication, right? And I, talked about that a couple of times and then you know our one of our um, uh, digital engineering leads who's actually one of my co-founders at bright insight um he basically spent a weekend and just you know himself just programmed on a cap a little bluetooth you know a little right. you know whatever signal yeah that yeah when you signal right you took it off and the bluetooth went to this like super simple thing on my phone that just right. said you know you opened it. Yeah. Congrats. You, you know, yeah. we recorded your, you know, whatever dose, right? Yeah. And again, I remember sitting in the boardroom, just passing this around the entire, right. you know, team and people being like, wow, like, right. That you can do that. Right. That That's, <laughs> right. you know, then it just, it sort of just gets the imagination going. I mean, again, it didn't like all of a sudden make everything easy to do, but, but those types of things, you know, right. when you're, when you're driving that change are just so, so critical. G- this uh, you 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 made me think about the the whole cap and chip. I don't know, Jim. Do you ever did you ever know that I have a NFC chip in here? In totally. Yeah. Yeah. You totally. Did? I remember okay. you would on. Did you go on like CNBC the, or something to talk yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't supposed to be about <laughs> that, but somehow. Yeah. But Cyborg. the funny thing, because the reason uh, the reason I'm bringing it up actually, uh, we did do like a little bit of that hacking that if you open a bottle, actually writes the data point because think about a patient like an Alzheimer's or somebody. You know, either you can actually write yeah. to the chip and somebody else can read it. I mean, again, yeah. far-fetched, but that was kind of the, the concept behind it. Yeah. Back to this, yeah. it wasn't about the tech. It's about how do people around you, you know, yeah. leverage can help you as a patient or vice versa, right? I mean, there's still Parkinson's yeah. patients that use this actually now because of the tremble right. to actually open the door right. because they can't, they lose the keys, right? So there's right. still use cases on it. But anyway, carry it's, it's on. It's fascinating. Tech, but even like you saying that, like, I think if you, did that same action today, you might get the same response. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you might get the same response. Like, you know I mean? Yeah. Even though that kind of simple little Bluetooth signal going there is kind of everywhere and it's nowhere at the same time a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I pr- personally, if you asked me 10 years ago to make a prediction where things are right now, I'm in, you know, digital health and pharma, yeah. one of the things I would have massively gotten wrong. Okay. And, and it was, again, it was the basis of even starting Bright Insight was that yeah. I thought by now, pretty much all drug delivery devices would be connected. Right. Right. And I'm just right. blown away by how the lack of connectivity. Yeah. Lack of connectivity. And and you know, you're seeing more in the pipelines, but I mean, it's been it's been almost a decade. Like that right. has been 
so slow moving. Um, and, um, and again, like I thought that would be one of the big use cases for, for Bright Insight. And, you know, it, it, it is an important use case. We have multiple connector regulatory device programs uh, going, but, right. but, but not nearly, uh, the industry hasn't sort of advanced on that nearly as much as I would have thought. Yeah. So to take us to the, I mean, you kind of alluded to the genesis of it, but also you alluded to a couple of, the, you used the word pivot a couple of times, you know, so what was the hypothesis when you started Bright Insight and how did you guys morph? And actually maybe uh, kind of for the listeners, viewers, what the heck do you guys do? Yeah, um, what do we even do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so we're basically the regulated digital health platform um, on top of which pharma and medical device companies build their regulated digital health solutions. So if you take the example of, um, of the connected regulatory device, right? So you're going to put Bluetooth in a pen. Well, where's that data going to go, right? I'll probably right. talk to an app on a patient's phone and that's going to go to the cloud. We're that compliant platform and infrastructure, right? Where you can you know, essentially build your app on our infrastructure or we have an out-of-the-box app that you can configure to customize exactly what you want. But we're taking over that data, bring it to that backend cloud, you can run your algorithms, your insights, et cetera, right? Get that, you know, result, if you will, back to the patient, right? And let them do their thing. So maybe give you, uh, get sort of make it real with some of the kinds of, uh, kinds of, you know, use cases we're supporting. Um, so a public one with CSL and Hyzentra, which is a, a drug for primary, primary immunodeficiency and, and uh, some other rare disease indications. You know, these folks, these patients, um, you know, they have this life-changing therapy but it's a complicated regimen where they have to be, you know, injecting themselves and rotating the injection sites and kind of be able to record that. And patients, many patients were literally keeping a paper journal to remember sure. what the history was, uh-huh. right? Uh, and um, and so what this app basically does is it gives them, you know, super UX UI friendly way to just sort of say, oh, I'm, you know, injected myself here, you, you know, yesterday right. I did it here, you know, et cetera. Right? It just solves a specific pain point. There's other pain points that it that it solves, but we help them, you know, build that app. Um, you know, it's all built into their software's medical device requirements, bring that to market in six months. You know, it's got four and a half stars in the app, app store. 20% of patients are using that with almost no marketing. Um, right. A ton of data and insights that are coming that are feeding that into, into how, um, you know, they can iterate and improve upon the solution for their patients. Um, you know, we have, I forget the number of approaching maybe like a million recordings of ePro and hundreds of thousands of injections or something, you know, so like real data coming, mm-hmm. coming through here. Uh, it's now going international, you know, et cetera. Right. And so that's just a small example on that side, right. Or an important example on that side. On the other end of the spectrum, we have companies like BioMariu, one of the leaders in the in vitro diagnostic space, right. That are, you know, they're building, um, you know, in the ICU, in the lab, in the work, clinical workflow, digital solutions that are going to optimize things like their lab tests, lab equipment, you know, et cetera, right? So we cover, kind of cover that, that whole spectrum. The commonality is that folks are, are solving, um, you know, really important clinical problems that are either today or in the future going to put them typically in the regulated space. Right. Um, so our, you know, so our big learnings from Amgen that led to this was every one of these innovations that we did we had a portfolio of things, we were a partly reinventing the wheel because sure. to, you know, right. And so we said, gosh, why are we having to reinvent the wheel? And secondly, we said using the cloud in a compliant way. Um, and this again, you know, cloud obviously has matured a lot over the decade become, uh, you know, almost ubiquitous now, but like back then it was still early was not, was, was not a trivial thing. Right. And so right. we said, let's build a platform 
that folks can out of the box get all of their software's medical device requirements met, right? So we support all of our quality management systems, support all the way up to class three and combination product intended use. Um, same thing on the data privacy and security side. So out of the box in the cybersecurity, ISO 27001, we have a list of like 20 certs or whatever. And, and I can't tell you how many, you know, probably like 70, 80 audits the company's been through over the years between, right. you know, bodies and our customers and stuff. So you just get that out of the box compliance. And then right. we've been investing a ton on all the on all the microservices, right? Or, or to essentially all the functionalities, right? So all the brains now can sit in the cloud. And so you don't have to reinvent the wheel at the level of your app or your device every time, right? And so for our customers, right. get a first version, you know, under all the SMD requirements to market and call it six months or so, depending on the solution and the complexity. Do it with a partner that's proven and trusted by, you know, more than half of the top biopharmas in the world and, and, and many medical device leaders as well. Um, and get global scale. We're now in 64 countries and growing. Uh, so if you, you know, as you're as a pharma and medtech company, you know, you typically don't want to only innovate for one or two markets, right? Stuff that works, you want to scale just like your drugs, right? And so, um, you know, now we cover most of the, uh, the significant markets, um, you know, for pharma and medtech in a fully compliant way, right? So that's essentially what yeah. we're doing and, and who we do it for. Yeah. And- and your view on kind of digital therapies, right? And I, I, I host that other podcast that I'm cheating on Jim on with. Um, but, um, you know, we, we talk about kind of digital therapies. They're kind of stuck between SAMD and a molecule, right? So on one side, they're treated as a molecule from a pharma perspective and from NFDA. On the other side, it's SAMD. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and maybe even touch on kind of what's your view of digital therapies going forward, kind of, you know, maybe you, you mentioned earlier something like, well, I would have gotten something wrong 10 years ago, right? Um, yeah, so yeah. Curious. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, let me know if this gets at your question. So, um, you know, if I go back to my early days at Amgen, the first year I started Amgen was the same year we hired our first head of devices, meaning physical devices, right? right. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of crazy because every one of our drugs went into a physical device except sure. one. <laughs> right, right. And the, the reason is that as an industry, we always thought of our product as the drug itself. And it right. kind of stopped there. And everything else was sort of ancillary Outsourced. to it. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But now today, if you go to any biopharma company in the world, you know, I can only think of maybe one exception off the top of my head. They all have a major medical device capability or drug delivery device right. capability, even right. though most of them don't actually make their own physical drug delivery devices. Why? Sure. Because the fundamental understanding of what is our product has changed from the drug only to the drug plus the device, right? Because you have to think sure. about what's the formulation, what's the volume, what's right. going to be that route administration, right? Is this going to be an on-body injector? Is this just going to be a simple syringe? Is it electromechanical? Is it a handheld sure. auto injector? Do I want to put, you know, you know, uh, uh, is it one dose, you know, every week, yeah, is it once yeah. a month, you know, all that, right? That innovate, you know, that that's a, you know, in that sense, sort of a relatively now mainstream and newish capability, well, well entrenched capability now, right? But a decade ago it wasn't, right? So now we've changed the definition of what a product is, right? A decade from now, my strong belief, and certainly our companies and our our investors' strong belief is that how we think about what is a product will be the drug plus the device. Plus, plus digital monitoring. monitoring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and that digital is not, I'm not talking about digital advertising. I'm talking about yeah, digital yeah. is deeply embedded in the product. Right. And the right. analogy in the auto industry. Right. And when we started this company, instead of buying a Tesla, I should have bought Tesla stock. I'd be much better off, but that's <laughs> one of those regrets. Uh, though I do love the car. Um, but, you know, now nobody argues about 
every Toyota in the world is going to be more like a Tesla in the next five to 10 sure. years, right? Like it's just a, like every GM, every Ford, every whatever, right? Like right. we all just intrinsically get it. Even five years ago, people were like, oh, maybe Tesla will kind of be a, a niche car here or some people right. use it here. Like, you know, the same thing's going to happen here, right? Like every medical device is going to be connected to the cloud because the value is just so clear if you can successfully do that do and, and drive the, you know, drive the value of that data, right? And so whether you're talking about yep. hospital equipment, central lab equipment, doctor's office equipment, equipment in people's homes, wearables, implantables, smart hips, knees, neuromodulators, you name it, right? All right. Of that, right? Because the, the, the value of that unlock is just, is, is unbelievable. And, right? and, and right. we can go through that, right? And then the same thing on the drug side, actually, maybe it's a little bit less intuitive, but if you go through sort of a generic journey that you guys obviously all, and probably most of your users can appreciate, but, you know, top of the funnel, you know, is it a, is it a, is there a diagnosis problem, right? Which is right. again, a testing plus data problem, right? So how do you diagnose at scale? Then you might have the diagnosis correct, but how do you match the right patient to the right therapy? That's also right. often a data plus algorithm problem, right? And then if you're now on therapy, you know, again, how do you think about things like is personalized drug dosing relevant? Is do you need to do disease progression tracking? Do you need to do symptom right. tracking? Do you need to look for adverse events, right? You need to understand that disease and that therapy to figure out what are the right specific pain points that are going to, that matter and are amenable to a digital solution, right? And right. there's a lot of technologies that can do a lot today. And then obviously with all the innovation happening on the sensor front and on the AI ML front and everything else, over time, obviously there'll be more and more technology available to do even more. But just today, there's tons of technology that that let you solve very meaningful pain points uh, in big ways that drive huge clinical value and massive right. commercial value, right? And so coming back to Coming back to your question, right? I think what we see and often advise customers is to say, look, unless you really have it figured out, you got that amazing, you know, algorithm that that you should wrap right around your drug and take it to the FDA and get a class three SAMD approval for the algorithm. And we're working on use cases like that, and that absolutely is the right answer. But for the majority, you would say, look, you know, the the crawl, walk, run, right? Which is, hey, like what I talked about with the Hyzentra use case. You have, yep. a, you have a good understanding of the pain points. Let's build the app. Let's do it in the right way. Let's collect the data on the back end. Let's start the iterative process on like, sure. you know, what pain points are you solving well? What other pain points could you solve? How do you iterate and improve upon that? Get that data. And over time, the journey then can take you into that software's medical device space, right? So let's say you're in, in a space where you're, again, doing disease progression tracking. Okay, well, over time, you collect enough data. Well, now you might have an algorithm that helps determine if the patient's doing well or needs a change in therapy or whatever it might be, right? Over time, you get the data and you might be able to predict, you know, an adverse event that, you know, before it happens or before it worsens, right? Um, right. So you got to start the journey with where you're ready to start it today. But it's again, over time, you know, I think we're going to see many disease areas move into drug plus device plus digital that really creates a combination product, right? Yep. And, and I think a decade from now, you're going to see um, let me put it this way. Some of the most forward thinking customers we have are already thinking that, hey, I have a drug that today is X billions of dollars. It's going to grow and we have a patent life. Before the end of that patent life, how do I get enough data, enough algorithms built so that right. my, life, my, my, my life cycle management is, yeah, the drug itself goes off therapy, but I got so much intelligence and algorithms wrapped around it, right? right. Smart delivery, smart algorithms that a generic just can't compete. And, um, and, right. and just, and just, uh, you know, just playing off of this, like I'm in, I'm in that space. Um, but 
you know, one of the things I see is that if you say, look at like, um, we look at like Europe, you know, you look at like what's happening, you know, you know, going out towards Asia, and then you look at the States and States is the source of innovation a lot of times. So there's a lot of investment and scale and venture money that goes into it, but you've got these, um, you get such an aggressive regulatory environment that are blocking the digital connectivity. Like there's a reason why that Bluetooth uh, device never got in because, you know, uh, pharma companies are, you know, are forced to leave the, the data locally on the phone. You know, the OIG steps in and says, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable with you providing a device, um, you know, uh, you know, directly because you're getting paid so much on the compensation for the pharmaceutical product. So you kind of have this like, uh, tension that's happening right now what's your like does that does that eventually break through and they just have to say hey guys the value of this digital connectivity is so big that the regulatory changes or and in some ways they're not incentivized yeah. to evolve it because if you're getting you know 90 like you're saying like you know we we have a would you say they <laughs> like our, our technology is not as good as the government's but that like the government yeah. doesn't have a 90 percent gross margin you know so yeah, right <laughs> yeah. so what's your what's your prediction does that break you know does that break or does it yeah. or is it people like brightline and companies like what well, we're doing that kind of right provide inside. that middle layer yeah 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 inside. Um, right inside so, sorry yeah no all good um so you know always hard to predict but i'll tell you sort of what i'm seeing what i could what I think could be some of the things that sort of catalyze and put us on that, you know, on that, on that inflection point. Um, so one is we are much closer today just because we're working on it with customers um, on use cases. That I think will demonstrate that clear clinical and business impact at scale that others will say, gosh, you know, we got to do that. Otherwise we're not going to be able to compete. Right. And it'll start right. in a couple of therapeutic area pockets. And then, you know, that'll force Move. the building of the muscle. Um, and, 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 you know, so there's nothing like sort of competition, you know, FOMO, whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. ultimately, right. That, that, that drives, but someone's got to break through and, and get there. And I think there's multiple disease areas where we believe there's programs that, that really have that opportunity, um, and and you know to to kind of just create those wins, right? And nothing like wins to to galvanize uh, people across the chasm. I think the the, the second possibility is, um, you know, and I, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it over and over. I've had this conversation with Mark Bertolini, who used to be the CEO of Aetna, is as I'm sure most of you guys know, is one of our advisors. Is that the payers really have a chance to be to, to catalyze the disruption here, right? right? So if I were the CEO, you know, magic wand, my next job, I become CEO of a major payer. I would be saying, why do we continue to pay for stuff? Right. That they're not, we, we're not, that we're not seeing the, the proof point on the value. Right? right. And so the fact that we still live in a world where the clinical trial data is sufficient for real world reimbursement at the level of billions of dollars when the right. technology exists to measure and show at the level of individual patients, right? So I'm not talking right. about sort of real world evidence where we got all this data yep. from a couple of EMRs and frames right. and, you know, really smart people, mathematicians analyze it and kind of, that's right. good. Right. But we have the technology to say at the level of every single patient, right. what's going on right. with this therapy, right? At a minimum, right. if today you get paid for and the script is filled at Walgreens or wherever, especially right. pharma, you can easily move to, can I at least get paid for when I show that the patient took it? So that's better, right? right? right, right and then you can right. move up the stack to say, look, maybe we can't measure direct efficacy in a cost-effective and clinically effective way, 
but you can easily probably it. come up with most of these lots of proxies, right? Right. That's still better, yeah. right? I mean, so so a lot of times, you know, people use the excuse of the perfect uh, for not making sort of progress that can get you ninety nine percent of the way there, right? I was, right. um, you know, I was I was leading a conversation at, at uh, DTX East last week, and one of our uh, ecosystem partners that we announced, uh, you know, Zelf, uh, in, in, uh, you know, they do some pretty cool stuff. You guys should talk to them as well, in case you don't know, but. They were talking, you know, they work with health systems and try to bring digital innovation into them. And, and they were talking about how they had a solution on, I believe it was on the pregnancy side, and it would automatically deliver to a patient um, uh, some education, uh, you know, for them from like after they left their visit to like, and they would get it like the next morning or something. Right. And one of the health systems was pushing back and saying, well, what if that patient is not pregnant the next morning? Because, you know, right. some right. unfortunate yeah. event happens. And of course, that's going to happen. If you, you know, if you go to 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, by definition, right. you're going to have that happen. But should really that edge use stop, case yeah. <laughs> stop you know, this incredibly powerful, impactful, presumably impactful, important innovation right. you know, or education to be put in the hands of the patients at the right time for the right needs you know, for the other 99.99%, right. right? And so, so you got to have to get through that. So anyway, that's, I get sidetracked. But I think, look, I think, frankly, payers should step up and, and yep. could really catalyze this. Uh, and in the context of all the things we talked about with, you know, increasing prices and healthcare costs and, and yep. so forth. So I think, I think that's, you know, um, a, a second opportunity. And, and look, and then the third one is, um, you know, again, if I were the magic wand and the CEO of a pharma company, um, I would say, let me take one or two of my assets, right, that aren't yep. going to make or break the company's market cap and just go all in. Right, just right. go all in uh, because the lessons to learn are so important, right? Uh, and so, if you're sitting now as the CEO of Ford or Toyota or you name whichever Tesla competitor, well, first of all, those CEOs aren't CEOs anymore because Tesla did Tesla and they didn't. Uh, right. But if you were, you know, you'd be like, "Gosh, don't I wish I took a division more risk, yeah, right? and more risk, yeah. right?" And and I think trying trying to peanut butter. It, it, Again, for my little consulting uh, hat back on, like, you know, so people can throw virtual, you know, fruit at me or whatever it is, you know, uh, but we see our, so many of our clients are trying to peanut butter their way through digital transformation. And that's really hard, I love it. really hard, right? Instead, pick an asset and go end to end and just right. reimagine that entire thing end to end. Right. Right. And that right. means the lawyers, the compliance, the reimbursement, the regulatory, the device, right. the marketing, like everything. And create a Find framework. Right for leader and just blow up the whole thing and right. pick an asset that's not going to kill your market cap, even if you goose egg the whole thing. You know, <laughs> um, why not? Like, that's the yeah, fastest yeah. way it. to success, in my opinion. I love it. Love it. Love it. You, you know, you know, it's funny on the DTX podcast, I always ask the guests, like, what advice would you give to and fill in the blank, a pharma executive, et cetera. So right. I think, right. Jim, your question back to Cal now, or the famous Jim Joyce question will be a super fun one. Well, I'm <laughs> looking forward to the answer. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So answer. I'll, I'll, land, so, I'll, I'll land it to you, Jim. So, so, so go back in time. So, so you're, you're now, um, you're, you're hopping on a plane and you're going to kind of not DTX West, but you're going to DTS, you know, Midwest. So you're ending up in Chicago with some, you're meeting up with some of your old friends and you're, uh, you're in there and you're, you're at that was a university of Chicago. You're at the, you're on the university of Chicago campus, walking with some friends and a young kind of aspiring 
uh, uh, entrepreneur that had been a Boston at Boston Consultancy Group and had just survived his tenure at a pharmaceutical <laughs> company implementing digital health Bluetooth products. And he's gone in there and he says, like, Cal, you know, I, I can't believe it's you. Um, and you look at this young version of yourself. What's that one piece of advice would you give this young entrepreneur as he's launching his new digital health company? Yeah, that's uh, it's, you know, the hardest. You know, the hardest part of your question is one. Right, it's like you could write a <laughs> you could write a book on a hundred things that that you know you you uh, you know so so let, don't peanut know. butter it on us. Don't peanut yeah. butter on us. Yeah, right. Uh, look, uh, let, let me let me. Uh, uh, I'll sort of take it this way, and and, and you know, I, I'm happy to to reboot the question if it if it doesn't get at it. Like, um, I think there's, I think there's so much insecurity in the world. And there's so much insecurity in me as well. Um, and I think, you know, people who are driven to achieve often come with, um, you know, that uh, sort of deeply embedded. And, and so if I could go back and have um, sort of root cause that out of my, you know, ethos, personality, you know, background, whatever, um, uh, I would do that because, um, not because necessarily that I would have made different choices. I mean, you know, if you read like Daniel Pink's latest book on regret or whatever, like, you know, I've lived like seven or eight careers. Like I have like zero regrets of like having tried and gone deep on a lot of things. I loved it. Each one of those were incredibly fulfilling. I would have not have skipped any of them. Anyway, I would not have no. skipped medical school, business school, BCG, Novartis, Amgen, all the roles there, you know, et cetera, Dr. Naman, like none of it. Like, uh, but I think I would have been a heck of a lot more, confident, present, enjoyed the journey and not just been so focused on, on, you know, where that step needed to get yeah. me to. Um, because I actually truly believe at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, the journey is probably going to be more important than the destination. Right. And I would say the same thing about Bright Insight. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, we will be a incredibly important company uh, in the digital health transformation and an important partner for pharma and medical device companies, hopefully, Forever as as the as the platform de facto platform to build you know these regulated software solutions of today and the future, uh, but you know I always tell the team like guys it's the the journey matters as much or more right because when you get there you don't want to have regret on how you got there right um, awesome love so, it love confident it, present and enjoy the journey I love it yeah. I love it yeah. that's, <laughs> that's I mean awesome. what life's about at the end of the day right like all the other stuff <laughs> just becomes irrelevant one day. <laughs> That's exactly. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Cal, th thank you very much for joining. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll, uh, for all the listeners and viewers, hit subscribe, pass it on, and see you next week. And we finished off our season 11, by the way, Jim. I ah, just congrats. realized you, you closed just, us out. Just, that was a that was yeah, strong close. That was it. You, close. Yeah, strong exactly. Close. Strong close. Oh, cool. That's an honor. Thank you, guys. <laughs> all Thanks, right. Cal. Cheers, all. All right. Take care. That's...